All right, cool. So we've been in uh, this series called Goals, and we've been talking about, really, the reality that uh, God clarifies for us what our goals should be. It's the beginning of the year. All of us have one goal or maybe two goals, three goals, things that we're shooting for. But in week one, we talked about how God really challenges us to check the affections of our heart, to make sure, he says in Colossians 3, that to set our hearts and our minds on things above, to not be consumed with things. And he doesn't tell us to live in a fantasy world and ignore what's going on in the world, but he tells us to make sure that our affections aren't on the things that are meant to be good things, but not the only things in our life. And then we talked last week about checking our connections, who we're connected to, who, who our life source is, our relationships, the things that really uh, stir us. So both of those parts are on, uh, on the website if you want to catch up on those. Today's part three, and the title is God is Still Working on You. God is still working on you. That's where you're supposed to say, ooh, this is going to be good, man. I can't, ooh, man. Just turn to the person to your right and say, dang, this is going to be good. I don't even know what he's talking about, but this is going to be good. All right, that's enough. No talking. Okay. Uh, James, chapter, James chapter 1 says, Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. I want you to get a vision for a moment of your marriage lacking nothing. I want you to get a, a picture of the family that God blesses you with lacking nothing. That spiritually, relationally, emotionally, together, you guys are united. You can't be divided. Come hell or high water, whatever comes against you, you're family. I want you to think that there are things that God is trying to do in you and in I that strengthen us so that we are mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, let's not get that confused with the reality of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross finishes by his grace the need for me to ever feel the sense of needing to perform for God or needing to, or, or, or needing to earn something from God, that, that literally I am a son of the living most high God, that I rest in his grace, I rest in his goodness, that he's a good father, that I don't come to him just as my daughter does not come to me at 12 years old and wonder if she's loved and wonder if she's doing right and, and wonder if she's, getting, she's my daughter and I love her. She doesn't have to perform for me. I love her because she's mine and I've chosen her to be mine, Right? In the same way, God shows us his love and he embraces us. Scripture says he sees us and calls us friends. And so God sees that finished work of us. But the finishing that needs to happen in our character, in our minds, in our hearts, in some of the areas of our flesh, that's the work that the Holy Spirit does over time. And so it's good to know that God is still working on you. It's good to know that God is still working on the person next to you. It's good to know that God is still working in the areas where you may be really holding yourself to the fire. You have to understand it is not you who's doing the work. It is God who's doing the work in you. And that should be an encouragement to us all because if not, we'll get into this mode where we don't know if we're having a good day or a bad day with God. Where we don't know if we're having a good year or a bad year with God. If, if we're really uh, in good standing with him or not. See, grace erases all of that performance, and the grace of God here at Grace Avenue is communicated to you in that way, that God loves you in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of your imperfections. I think we need to hear that more, and I think we need to be people who hear that more. That's just my opinion. Philippians chapter 1, 6, and I'm certain that God who 
began a good work in you will continue until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Look at that. This is Paul saying, God who started that work in you, right? So he looks at you, he looks at you, Jacob, and he says, there's a work that was started in you, and it's not you who's going to finish it. He says, it's me who's going to finish that work. It's good for us to know that, because sometimes some of our decisions and some of our attitudes and some of our actions can cause us to feel like we're stopping the forward movement of God working in our life. But even in our most broken moments, God is still working. We understand through scripture, even those who betray Jesus, God was still working in and through them to accomplish his purpose. So let's get the performance out of here and let's rest in the grace of God and know that his grace stirs us not to want to sin more and have that covered, but to want to please him more and honor him more with our lives. So I want to encourage you in that this morning. And I want you to think about the people who've taught you lessons over the year and how because God is still working on you, you can release from those who have not given you what you think you need, you can release them from judgment. And release them from having this high standard that, that if you're really honest, you aren't living yourself. I want you to do that this morning, and, I, and I'll tell you why. All of us can pick up a stone... And a big stone it can be, and we can chuck it at the people who didn't give us what we needed, didn't provide us what we needed, didn't, didn't, and we can hold them to the fire. But I want us to think if that is the type of life that we actually want to live, where we hold people to the fire the same way, where people hold us to the fire the same way we hold others to the fire. Now, some of us might to say, like, like to say, well, I take care of my business, that's all I know, but the truth is, we all make mistakes. And many of us, and when I say many of us, that's code word for all of us. Have a way of holding people to a standard this, has, this high. And the truth is many people have a capacity that's this high. Down here to our knees. And we're expecting things of people when they have this much capacity. This much love to give. This much leadership to give. This much mercy to show. This much grace. This much fathering. This much uh, business savvy, this much leadership, yet our expectations are high. So high that every relationship we come into, I got a question, are we holding people so high that we can never develop healthy relationships because we're constantly cutting people out of our life because they didn't measure up? You know, some of the people who have the most trouble really developing healthy, authentic, transparent, real life-giving relationships. I'm not talking about, did you see the game? How much money are you making? How's the family? Aren't those tacos good? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about conversations that go beyond the surface and into the soul. Conversations that will shape us as men and women of God. Conversations that will help me see things about you and you see things about me. Conversations where we're in relationship where there's no fear that if you're telling me something, it's for my good. And that I don't have to reject you because how dare you speak of my life that way? How dare you look into my life and see something dysfunctional or defective? I am my own person. Nobody tells me what to do. Come on, we all have areas in our life where we're, am I getting too passionate for the beginning of the message? This is just the appetizer. The, the meal's coming. Just hang on, okay? God, I'm convinced, doesn't use one lesson, one mentor, one father, one set of parents, one boss, one job, one season in our life 
to not only shape our life, but to define our life. But many of us hold those seasons, fathers, parents, friends, jobs, bad situations, we hold them to the fire instead of releasing them from judgment. Because in us is this desire to get something from people that is God-like, but those people are not God. The seasons are not God. Those goals are not God. I know I'm talking to somebody this morning. Just as natural seasons produce different conditions and require different attire, right? In the spring, you got to wear something that's different than in the winter. And in the summer, you wear something that's different than the fall. Well, so different seasons require different things in our lives. I want us to think about the season that we're in now. Not what we didn't get, but what opportunity we have right now. What God has laid in front of us right now. The opportunity to father or mother or lead or serve or be propelled or to deal with the success or to handle the disappointment. The way we handle all of those things tells us what's coming next. See, we have to understand every season doesn't last forever, no matter what it is. So the mindset that we must have about the work that God is doing must be one that has a long-term perspective attached to it, which means this, okay, follow me here, success is not guaranteed. So if this is a season of success, man, thank God for that. The bills are paid, money's coming in, relationships are having, connections are being made, things are moving forward, but guess what? You know, God doesn't guarantee that. So I've got to ride the wave while the wave is coming at me. Here's the thing, when disappointment hits, disappointment, things aren't happening, the goals aren't being achieved, things hurt me, things broke me, things messed me up, things got me off course, but here's the challenge with that, disappointments don't last forever either. Here's what does last forever, the love of God and the fact that God will never leave us or forsake us. That's what we absolutely can guarantee. Outside of that, I can't guarantee that Janelle's going to love me for the next 50 years. I hope she does, you know? I'm paying a lot of money to her to keep, me, to keep her with me. If I run out of money, I don't know what's going to happen, right? Some of us, that's a joke, we're happily married 15 years, 15 solid, amazing years. And I'm finally learning to do what she tells me to do. Finally, after all these years. But, you know, if we put all our hope in one season or one person or one situation, we set ourselves up for great disappointment. We set people up to be God. We set seasons to be up. To, uh, we set seasons up to be our source in life rather than God being the source of our life. So think about this. God's goal is for you and I to be complete, lacking nothing. You know, when God joined Bob and Karen together, the idea was not that just they would be happily married and live happily ever after and that everything would just be, and we know that's not happening, right? So we know that that's not just the, the only reason he put them together. He said, I'm going to complete something in Bob that's going to happen because of Karen's work in him, and I'm going to complete something in Karen that Bob's going to utilize to help Karen grow into the person that she's called to be. So when there's disagreement or discord, they're not the enemy. Each one is not the enemy. Satan is the enemy. There's only one enemy. But nevertheless, we have to see with spiritual eyes what's actually happening around us. You know, Janelle and I have had some ups and downs in life, but I've never seen Janelle as the enemy. Oh, she makes me mad. Don't get me wrong. And I make her mad. But, she, but we're never the enemy. There's an enemy seeking to devour our marriage. 
There's an enemy seeking to divide us, to split a generation, to cause pain in my child, to cause pain in her, to disrupt us and derail us from that which God has joined together. Are you following me today? If you're truly going to be connected to God's completed version of you, here's what it's going to take. It's going to take your commitment. We know the Holy Spirit's committed. We know God says he's completing the work, but it's going to take your commitment to God finishing the work that he started. That's why that scripture says, let perseverance have its work. In other words, the perseverance and the endurance must be inside you. This must burn inside you so that it's kind of like when you have to finish the workout, right? If you've only done two sets and you're dead tired and you'd rather just go sit on the couch, but you finish it off, you persevere, you endure, you push through, you see the completed goal. I don't, but you guys do who really love to work out. Are you following me? When you push through, you see something on the other side that's complete. That's what God is calling us to in this verse. This is what he's saying. I want you to persevere and endure through the pain and endure through the process to see God make you mature and complete, lacking nothing. That's God's mindset. That means in 2017, there are things that God will complete that will be put to the side, and now it's on to something that's next. God says, we've done this, now it's time to move on to what's next. That's good news about our Father, that as he trains us, he moves us forward. Everybody here is probably, if you've been in church too, for some time, you've heard this, this phrase, Seed time and harvest. Anybody heard that before? If you're new to church and you really haven't heard that phrase, it's usually in reference to the reality that what God starts takes time to finish. Seed time being there's a time to plant. Harvest being the time that you and I reap the things that God has promised. What we sow, we sow in faith. When I sow love into my marriage, I'm in faith believing at the beginning that 15 years later, love was still coming back to me. When I sow hope into the world, when I sow confidence and wisdom into my child, I'm believing that that's going to return to me. There's a harvest that will come in time, right? This is why you can't give up on people, no matter how much they mess you up, no matter how much you never know who God is not finished with. You never can count anybody out. I know we think we can. And I know we can watch the news and we can pick people who we think are totally lost on us and there's no way they're getting back. The truth is, all of us are in that same position in one area of our life. Or if it's really pin the tail on the donkey, God could pin us on something and say, I'm just finished with this guy. He didn't. He just doesn't get it. See, that grace factor we always find really good for us. We just don't find it good for anybody else. For everybody else, we want justice. For ourselves, we want grace. And we have to consider the stone we're willing to pick up and throw, and be willing to have that same size stone throw at our own inconsistencies. That doesn't mean we justify what's wrong. That doesn't mean we justify sin. I'm just saying the way we look at God changing people has a lot to do with the way we should be able to see how God changes us. I want to make sure that I am not holding people to a standard that I myself can always keep and judging them as useless in my life. God's not done with people the way we think we are. Seed time and harvest. Seed time kind of works like this, right? We get to the place where 
God births something in it. So there's a dream or a passion or a goal. And we take that seed of opportunity and we plant it in the soil of commitment. And then we wait there and we hope that in three days, the very thing that we sowed will come back to us. So we plant love in marriage and we want the return of a 30-year marriage to happen in six months. And then we come to God and say, why isn't six whole months I've been married? Six whole months. Do you know how many days that is? Do you know how many hours of Netflix that is in my life? And we want a 30-year return on a six-month investment. And then we get to God and we demand, come on, am I talking to somebody? Don't we all do this in one way or another? We demand of God something that we've not even sown. And we demand character from people. And we demand righteousness from people. And we demand treatment from people. The, the truth is, have we sown that ourselves? Not in the areas that we agree with. I'm talking about people we disagree with. Just a thought. Seed time, in other words, when we think about it, when a child, the seed hits the womb and a child is born. Nine months later, that's the result of seed time and harvest. I want you to think that the opportunities that God has for you in 2017 have seed time and harvest attached to them. That March may not be God's time frame for everything that you're believing for. That by July may not be God's time frame for what you're thinking. That, well, if, if this year, if it doesn't, maybe part of God's process and God not just working out the thing that you planted that you're committed to but God working out in you the ability to hold on to and sustain the very thing that you're praying for here's how we navigate the seasons of life number one we have to navigate seasons with humility navigate seasons with humility first Peter says this humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty right hand mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves. You know, he doesn't say pray for God to make you humble. He says humble yourself, right? Like when your mom would tell you to clean your room, you didn't tell her, well, pray for me that I would clean my room. (laughs) She'd just say, clean your room, and you just do it, right? And then the slap, the hard tortilla for me, that's what it was, pow. Those flour tortillas get hard, man. First Peter, you just, who just got that now? <laughs> All right. First Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. There's a due time for God lifting you up. There's a due time for God lifting your marriage up. There's a due time for God to propel you and position you and place you. God knows where he wants you. God knows where he's going to place you. But pride is what destroys the opportunity for placement. You know, Absalom in scripture, David's son betrayed his own father and worked against his own father and tried to divide the kingdom and turn people against the kingdom and turn people against his own father. There was a due time for Absalom, but Absalom wanted what he wanted now. And it cost him his life. Judas walked with Jesus, saw the miracles, experienced all the transformation, experienced everything that every other one of the disciples experienced. Judas even betrayed on the same night as Peter. The difference between Peter and Judas is that Peter 
laid on his face before God and wept bitterly and repented of his sin and his brokenness. And Judas took it upon himself to justify himself and ended up hanging himself in shame. See, pride will lead us to do destructive things even in our own life. Humility and repentance will cause us to come back into the loving embrace of a father who loves us. When the prodigal son got everything he wanted, it destroyed his life. I want us to think about that. Prodigal son demanding his inheritance, his life, his future, everything that's promised to him, everything that God has for him is right there in due time. But he wanted it now in this season. And when he didn't get what he wanted in this season, he had to pull it away from his father. And in doing that, he diverted his course and jacked up his life bad. Not everything that you're praying for, you're ready for. Not everything that you want right now, are you ready for right now? Not everything that you think should happen right now, should happen right now. But in due time, it will happen if it's God's will. Jesus spent 30 years, 90% of his life, preparing for 10% of his life, three years to do ministry. Imagine spending (laughs) that much time preparing for the short amount of time that God tremendously wants to shine his light on your life. Are you prepared? Most of us think we're ready with what we got. Like Gideon. Gideon had 32,000 people in the army. God said, nope, I don't need 32,000. I want 300. That's all I need. Yeah, but 32,000? No, 300's all I need to accomplish my purpose. See, we always overestimate what we need and we underestimate God's ability to utilize what he's actually put in our hand. The remnant that he's placed around us The remnant being whatever seed is in our hand, whatever relationships are in front of us, whatever connections that God has placed in us, God has that in check. We say, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But then we say, but as long as the money's there, then everything will be good. As long as things go my way, things will be good. Come on, let's expand our thinking in 2017. Let's think bigger than that. Number two, serve through seasons faithfully. Serve through seasons faithfully. I think much of the stress in our lives, like I said earlier, is directly related to us planting today and expecting harvest tomorrow. And part of God's process for each one of us is to learn what faithfulness actually looks like. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. And we have to stop being fooled by the image of what we see. I said this a few weeks ago. Whenever you see like an 80-year-old couple and you're a married couple, you're like, oh, I want to be like them. Wouldn't that be so sweet? It's usually girls who say that, right? That's, that's, what, we, that's what we're going to be like. That, that woman could be that dude's 12th wife. You have no idea what their story is. That could be his girlfriend and his wife's at home. You have no idea. If you got relatives like mine, that could be real, right? You, you don't look at the image and perceive that that is truth and that's real. What's real is what's real in your life, your commitments, what you're committed to, what you're grounded in, what you're established in in your marriage. Forget about what theirs looks like. You don't know what theirs, what it costs for them to get there. You don't know if that's authentic. You don't know if that's real. Image doesn't tell you that. Testing tells you that. Time tells you that. Faithfulness will tell you that. Faithfulness will tell you if there's fruitfulness. Does that make sense? 
Stewardship is our responsibility. How do we become more faithful? Galatians 5 puts it like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. The desire to be faithful is good, but the work of becoming faithful is a work of God's Spirit, which means when we see there are areas in our life where we aren't faithful, it's an opportunity for us to really dial down and really get connected to the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. If we're really honest, every one of us has an area right now where we're not as faithful as we could or should be. All that is is opportunity. Opportunity for right now for us to ignore or see the Spirit do some great work in us and through us. Number three, we should leave seasons with integrity. You know, you're not going to be in every season forever, no matter what it is. As a student, you won't be there forever. Successful, can't guarantee you'll be there forever. When you're at your worst and you're most broken, the most pain you're experiencing, it doesn't last forever. You plow through things. You move beyond things. There are mountaintops. There are valleys. There are the in-between. So we have to understand we're always entering one season somehow, and we're probably leaving another season in another area of life. So we have to learn how to leave seasons with integrity. I, I believe the church at large should be good at leaving seasons with integrity, which means if I'm believing God to open a new door at a new job, I haven't been stealing from the last three employers the last 10 years, expecting God to bless my every endeavor in this next season. I should have integrity with the way I'm leaving and be entering. If I'm leaving trusting God, I should be entering trusting God. Does that make sense? There's going to come a time where you leave every season. Proverbs says integrity guides the upright. And the way we leave a season says a lot about our character, right? So you think, well, easier said than done, Daniel. You don't work where I work. Well, I probably have before. I've had horrible bosses. That movie could have been written about my <laughs> past places I've worked, right? There, there are people that don't have the character or they're lying or they're stealing or they're sleeping with everybody and then, you know, favoritism and politics. Look, that's the world we live in, folks. The church is not supposed to get shocked by that. The world is living like the world. They don't have Christ. We can't hold them to Christ-like standards. We have to see that we are called in our own lives to look in the mirror and say, by God's grace, that will not be me. By God's grace, he will work out every carnal thing in my flesh so that I am not a bad example to someone else. That's the grace we need. Integrity means we do what God says is right, even when it hurts. It means I don't have to go tell people, man, dude, as soon as I'm quitting this place, I'm leaving this place. You know, that I want to say some things, but we're in church. I can't say what I would probably say 15 years ago. But like there were things I would probably say about people and about things because my frustration and my focus was on what's going on rather than the long-term mindset of where God is taking me. So I'm consumed by something that should be passing away. I'm consumed by something that should not be eroding my confidence in God or arresting my spirit or arresting and consuming my mind with frustration. My mind should be able to be at peace in the most crazy situations. I should be able to surrender my heart in these situations. And I have had to learn through those seasons where there's betrayals, and disappointments and letdowns or people gossip 
or people say things that aren't true, or people lie. Anybody been lied about here? Who's been lied about here? Just let me see your hand. I would love to see. Ah, oh, look, we've all, look. And you thought you're the only one. Can you believe that? Like, you really thought you're the only one. Who's been betrayed? Whose trust has been broken? Who's been gossiped about and slandered about? Right? What good is it if we are consumed by the work of the enemy in those people, workers of iniquity? How good is it that we keep our eyes focused on the prize of finishing the race? If you think about it, everybody who raised their hand, all you're doing is going through what Jesus went through. He was mocked. He was spit on. He was lied about. He was cussed about. He was called the devil. They said he cast demons out by Beelzebub. They said all these horrible things about him. Did he sit around writing on Facebook about it? You not believe what I went through today. If these people, and I'm going to tell them whether I'm the son of God. If they knew who I was, it's like Trump on Twitter. They're just going for it, right? <laughs> Relax, it's just a joke. <laughs> Somebody picked up a stone and was like, what'd you say? Here's what's important to remember. All of us, all of us have an audience of one at all times. Every single one of us. We're never, never not in the audience of the Lord. So Chris may not see what's going on in my life. Cody may not see what's going on in my life. But Christ always sees what's going on. I'm always in the audience of one. So I want to live my life with integrity at all times, not just when people are around. Amen. Last point. Remember seasons gratefully. I think we have to learn how to handle the seasons of life and our disappointments much better. You know, all joking aside, when you see somebody blow a fuse at a restaurant, you know, you see people on social media, and they're like, can you, they're just like, I found a hair in my plate, never come to this place again, and they're just blasting away, and they're just like, you would think it, it, it you know, someone had killed their firstborn child, and they write a review, and I'm going to tell the manager and the owner of this company, I'm just thinking, it's a hair on your plate, bro. There are bigger fish to fry in life than your day and your audience knowing what destroys and disrupts your peace come on if the church is going to be effective in the world we got to move beyond scenarios like that we got to move beyond other people's our, our frustration with other people's inconsistencies and start to see that we are part of the answer to being consistent to model the light in the darkness to model the hope where there's hopelessness we should be able to take a few beatings and bruisings and wounds in the name of Jesus so that our character, it doesn't matter what people think about me, it matters what people think about Jesus. We could all learn that better. There's a man named Joseph who was able to look back on a season gratefully, and here's why. It's a young man sold by slavery, sold into slavery by his brothers, his own brothers, Brothers throw him into a pit, sell him off to some, the highest bidder, and he was the father's favorite, his father's favorite son, which is kind of jacked up. <laughs> Probably shouldn't tell everybody he's your favorite son. Caused a bunch of jealousy. This man loses his life, loses his manhood, losing his childhood, losing his family, goes on and is sold into slavery. The brothers, I think y'all got some jacked up family, check this out. The brothers take the coat that was on Joseph's shoulders. They kill an animal, put animal's blood on it, and they go to the father 
of Joseph and they show him the coat and say, your son is dead. And they let the father live with that for decades. Some of y'all think you got some messed up family. That's a messed up family right there. There was multiple brothers who all came into agreement about that jacked up situation to break the father's heart. This son Joseph then goes on and you think, well, something that bad happens, probably something good's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. He's promoted into the palace of a king, but then he's accused falsely of sexual assault and is imprisoned. So it's a constant, if you read the story of Joseph, up and down experience with this young man's life. He gets through all of this stuff and he plows through it. He never loses hope. And he stays committed to his calling. And he gets to this place where he is elevated into a place that he never would have gotten if what had happened had not happened. And he looks back on this and there's a famine in the land and as he's looking back on everything that's happened in his life and the famine has hit the people, his brothers are starving, his father is starving, his brothers come to him and now in this high place in the court, in this high place in the palace, he's able to change their situation and he looks his own brothers in the face, the people who abandoned him, the people who lied about him, flesh and blood and he looks them in the eyes and he says what the enemy meant for evil God has turned for good because I now have the power to invest in your life and invest in my father's life and to save your lives I don't know if I would have been able to do that I would have been like kill all my brothers right now throw them in the lion's den right now feed dad but kill all these dudes right here because that's how our grace is for people our grace is I want seasons grateful for the things we learned. We can't let a bitter root take root in our heart. The hardest part of the tree to cut down and cut out is the root. When the root of bitterness places itself in a man or a woman's soul, it's really difficult to get out without the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a mighty work. But I believe that God has called us to live bigger than that, bigger than the root of bitterness, bigger than the root of judgment, bigger than the root of throwing the stone at people. We should all learn not preaching myself into a betrayal here with somebody about to turn on me. I felt so strongly about this message for us, that the goals that we set for life, we should make sure that the seasons that come and go, that we know how to handle these seasons, navigate these seasons. Amen. Come on. Let's not let unchecked anger turn into ungrateful attitudes and bitter attitudes. Let's keep it, let's 2017, let's keep our spirit free from that stuff. Let's not spend emotional and mental energy on things that we can't change, on things that we should be giving to God, on things that we know God wants to do. Amen? Come on, let's stand up this morning and let's close it out. Before you get on your way today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for the work that God is completing in you. I want to pray for that work that God is going to finish in you. God's got to finish some work in all of us. Come on, just close your eyes just for a moment. Let's just come before God as as a church, as his people. Let's commit this year to him. Let's commit this season to him. Let's get beyond what has not happened, what someone didn't give us, 
what someone didn't do for us. Let's move beyond what we hope happens, what goals we're setting. Let's tap into right now. Let's tap into the season of opportunity that is before us right now. The season that demands our faith. The season that demands our trust. The season that demands our hope. The season that demands character of us. Character within our life. So that we can sustain the very thing that God's blessing us with. Come on, we don't want any prodigal son situations here. We don't don't want something that isn't ours that we can't sustain. God, do the work in us, Lord Jesus, that you would do. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives and in our minds and in our hearts. Father, I pray today that you would do a mighty transforming work in all of us, that this year would be a year like no other, a year where we are so closely connected to you and connected to the things you're doing. Lord, that as you say, my sheep hear my voice, Lord, we would hear you clearer than ever. We would hear your voice clearer than ever. Lord, that we'd stop looking for the opinions of man and the frustrations of man and the disappointments of man. And we'd start looking to the Father, the Father for guidance. God, make us the men we're called to be, the women we're called to be, the business leaders we're called to be, the students we're called to be, the employees we're called to be. Father, make us into the people. As we humble ourselves before you today, God, I pray for your favor and your blessing upon every person here this morning. God, every goal that people have set before you in this season of life, God, I pray for your blessing upon it. Lord, I pray for clear eyes. I pray for protection from the enemy. Lord, I pray that people would be able to see clear and clearly the race that you've set before them. Lord, today we release judgment off of people. We release judgment from our soul and our spirit against people. We drop the stones today of bitterness and unchecked rage and unchecked anger. And we say, God, forgive and we forgive them. God, thank you that you are doing that work in us, Lord. Thank you that you are propelling us beyond the pettiness of emotional outbursts. You're propelling us into a maturity where we're complete and lacking nothing. God, thank you that all of us here today are being are growing in faithfulness, God. That we're growing into fruitfulness because of the faithfulness that you're doing in us. Lord, that you're breaking things off of us and establishing things in us because your name is at stake, Lord. And your name is mighty. And your name is to be praised. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, surface relationships. Come on, stay with me here. And get real about what you're planting in the soil of commitment. Your relationships with God, with people, the connections, the people that you should be connected to right now, the people who should be speaking into your life. What distractions are keeping you from being who God has called you to be right now? They have a name, right? They have a name. It could be an object. It could be a person. It could be a situation. I want you to name that and make sure that you start to push those things back and embrace the things that God is putting forward in your life. Amen. This is going to be a good, solid year for you. I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jonathan, will you close this out?